Good morning and welcome to the Dance to Learn podcast with your host, Jessica Strong. The Dance to Learn podcast is the place for dance educators and studio owners to get the best dance teacher resources, tips, and advice to help you dance, learn, and grow right along with your students. Let's get into today's episode. Last challenge, and this one is my favorite, and honestly, I'm so glad that somebody mentioned this. This actually came up several times as well, um, and I know that this is something that we all deal with, and especially right now with coronavirus, I feel like come fall, hopefully things will start getting back to normal by then, but I have a funny feeling that this is going to be a huge issue in the fall when it's finally time for things to start opening up and parents letting their kids come back to dance class after being at home with them for almost two years, right? A year and a half. So let's talk about separation anxiety. And before I get too far into this topic, okay, this is a very important one as teachers because I know we all deal with this at different stages and different degrees of intensity, right? So let me begin by saying this first and foremost, okay? Please remember that separation anxiety is not just a phase that kids go through. This is an actual medical diagnosis that pertains to a child's mental health, okay? So because of that, this should always be handled with delicacy, with patience, and with understanding, Separation anxiety disorder, which you might also hear it called SAD, okay? Separation anxiety disorder affects children primarily from the ages of 18 months to 3 years old. And separation anxiety does not always look like a child who clings to mom. So here are some other symptoms of a separation anxiety that I want you to be aware of because you might have other kids that maybe you don't know that they're suffering from this, okay? So here are some other symptoms of SAD. So refusing to sleep alone, obviously you guys won't know this as dance teachers, but refusing to sleep alone, repeated nightmares with a recurring theme about separation, lots of worry when parted from home or family, too much worry about the safety of a family member, This might be a kiddo that says, you know, what is my mom doing? When is my mom coming back? They might be worried about their mom, right? Too much worry about getting lost from family. Okay, so this might be if mom is late picking them up and they start to get scared. Like, where's my mom? Is she going to come back? Refusing to go to school, refusing to go to dance class. These are all signs of separation anxiety. Fearful and reluctant to be alone. Frequent stomach aches, headaches, or other physical complaints. So if you have a kiddo who, you know, feels tired or my legs hurt, they might be feeling anxious about being away from mom. So keep that in mind. Muscle aches or tension. Too much worry about the safety of themselves or worried about the safety of others. Fearful of sleeping or being away from home. Being very clingy even when they're at home. Panic or temper tantrums at times of separation from parents or caregivers. So those are all symptoms of separation anxiety. So it's not just 
the clingy kid. It's not just the crying and saying, I want mommy in class. It goes beyond that. So keep an eye out for any of those symptoms. And if you see a child who might be exhibiting some of these, it might be a good idea to mention to their parents that maybe take them to the doctor to see if they can help with their anxiety. All right. So now that you kind of have an idea of some of the symptoms, let's talk about the different degrees of separation anxiety and the different degrees of intensity, okay? Um, Because different solutions might work better based on each individual child or each individual parent. So severe separation anxiety, which would be diagnosed as SAD, would be witnessed in a child for four weeks or longer. And in those cases, it could require additional therapy or even medication to help the child remedy that anxiety. So in all things, just remember, never try to force a child to be removed from a parent. Okay, if a child is crying when they get to dance class, it will be of no benefit to anyone to try and force a crying child away from their mom into a dance classroom in the hopes that they calm down and maybe they'll see how much fun they're having, all right? This could actually cause severe trauma to these children. So please don't do that, all right? So let's talk about some things that we can do. And you know, this actually inspires me to tell you about the worst case of separation anxiety that I have ever personally witnessed as a dance teacher. This was years ago, had to have been 10 years ago when I first started teaching and I was working as a teaching assistant at the time, so I was not the primary instructor and it was the very first class of a new session and we had about 20 kids in a ballet tap combo class. And expectations for the students and the parents weren't disclosed to me. I didn't really know what they were. The only thing I knew was that parents usually weren't allowed to watch class in the studio. There weren't really any other policies on how to drop kids off or anything like that. I just knew they weren't in the class to watch, right? Um, So brand new class. It's the first day. Parents you know, are directed to go, oh, you're in the back studio. That's where class is going to be. So they start heading towards the back studio. Some of them come in. They start changing shoes, putting, you know, kids in their little leotards and their skirts and everything. And we were about to start class, and some of the parents were still in there. And so myself and the instructor said, okay, parents, you know, it's time to go head out to the lobby, and we'll be done in about 45 minutes. At about this point, half of the class. It was 20 kids in this class. 10 of them just started crying, going ballistic, right? I've never seen that many children get so upset at one time. And in my experience, maybe one or two would be a little like, oh, I don't know. But to have half the class react this way was not something that any of us were expecting. So as we were trying to get moms and kids situated, trying to get the moms you know, outside, trying to get the kids on their spots. One of the little girls was so upset. She literally hyperventilated to the point where she threw up. She threw up 
all over herself, all over all the kids that were standing around her, all over the teacher. And of course, now this caused more kids to cry because now they're covered in another child's, you know, throw up. It was really, really awful. So moms were upset. We have a big mess to clean up. Needless to say, it was not a great start to a new class. And I honestly don't even remember teaching that class after that. We may have just sent everybody home (laughs) and canceled the class. But after that... Here's what I do know. I know the instructor put together a drop-off procedure for parents. So they knew what that drop-off procedure was. It was very clear they were not to enter the dance studio. They were to stay in the lobby. Myself and the teacher would come and get the kids and we would walk them back to the studio. If the parents were late to the class, then the office assistant would bring the kids back. But the parent was always to stay in the lobby and not even to go back with their kid okay any child who was upset about leaving mom was to stay with mom in the lobby until either they were ready to be taken to class and if they weren't then we would reach out to them privately and give them some different ideas okay that worked so well the second week and from then on we didn't really have any issues even the little girl who had that really bad reaction went back with us that second week. I remember she watched. She didn't dance. She sat in a chair. She watched the whole time. But by week three, she danced the entire class and had a ball, and she was a dancer for life. So that would be my first recommendation for you, is have a parent drop-off procedure. In my program, we call it Kiss and Go. And this should be on your website. It's in all your welcome emails. If somebody calls your studio and says, hey, I want my kid to try a class, it's in your phone call, welcome script or whatever you have, right? Every parent needs to know what your drop-off procedure is, okay? Because I find that if you can keep parents from even stepping foot into the dance studio, it's that much easier to separate the child, okay? And additionally, If a child is going to cry or become physically upset at the thought that mom can't be in the room with them, then they can stay in the lobby. They can handle that privately, figure it out with their child. It doesn't have to disrupt the other students that are able to participate in the class without mom, okay? Now, those parents who who they can't get their kids to come into class as a business owner, I don't want them to think, oh my gosh, my child cried or they didn't want to go in the dance classroom and they didn't want to dance. I don't want them to think that they can't dance. I need to have an opportunity for those kids and that mom too. And it's important as a dance teacher that I educate my families and make sure that they know this is normal. This is very common and they aren't the first family that's going to have this and they're not the last family that's going to experience this. So I want to be sure that I'm very understanding and reassuring. And if you have your drop-off procedure, include, okay, what are the next steps if my child doesn't enter class? Okay, so remember, a huge part of separation anxiety is a lack of trust. So it's my job as the dance teacher that I build trust with both mom and child. I don't want to exclude mom. Mom has to trust me too, okay? The best way to build trust with both parties is by offering a parent and child participation class. And I know Mommy and me classes can be very scary and intimidating. I didn't have a mommy and me class for years because honestly, I had no idea what to teach, okay? 
once I sort of got over that hurdle and I researched Mommy and Me a little bit more, I can honestly say that this has been the single greatest marketing opportunity that has ever presented itself for my program, okay? So if you don't have a Mommy and Me lesson plan and you're nervous, I actually have a general Mommy and Me lesson plan. It's up on the Dance to Learn website. I've linked it in today's podcast description for you so you can go grab it, okay, to give you an idea of what a successful parent participation class looks like, okay? But it doesn't stop there, okay, because we got to build trust. We got to build trust with these moms and these babies who don't want to come into to dance class. So here's how, here's how you do that, okay? Number one, make sure that your Mommy and Me class is designed for children 18 months to three, Okay, because those are the ages where separation anxiety is most uh, most common. Okay, and if you need to, have a mommy and me class for your four and five-year-olds too. Have it be a separate class because I've seen kids four and five who also have separation anxiety. Okay, so have a separate one for those kids. But make sure that your program is a minimum of six weeks. Okay, shouldn't be any shorter. It doesn't really need to be longer. Six weeks is sort of the magic number, maybe eight weeks. Okay, during that six weeks, that is your time to build that relationship and to build that rapport with the mom and the child. Okay, because remember, sometimes separation anxiety also exists in that parent and they pass it on to the child, right? A lot of times separation anxiety, we could maybe say, the mom is causing it more so than the kid actually being afraid to be away from mom, right? Let's just say that. Let's be honest here. So we have to build that relationship with the caregiver as well. All right. Now remember, your mommy and me class or your parent and me class should be a gateway to your non-parent participation classes. Our goal is to get these kids that are in mommy and me into creative dance or into pre-ballet, whatever your next level is. So in order for this to work, okay, in order for that to work and for that to be a gateway, what you have to do is make sure that whoever is the instructor of your preschool classes is also the instructor of Mommy and Me. Because if you send them to a Mommy and Me class with an instructor that isn't the same as the one that is going to be the regular instructor for the child, you haven't really built trust, right? That child's going to go expect expecting Miss Jessica and all of a sudden they have some other teacher, it's not going to work. Okay, so whoever teaches that mommy and me also needs to be the teacher for your creative dance class. All right, that's number one. Number two, your creative dance class or whatever it is, preschool, whatever whatever your next level is for parents don't participate in this class for your preschools, should be scheduled immediately following your mommy and me class. Don't have a big gap right? Don't have mommy and me in the morning and creative dance in the afternoon. Have your preschool class happen immediately following because what's going to happen, the parent and the child in that parent and me class is going to see all of these little happy dancers coming into the dance room without mom and dad. They're going to, they're going to see that. All right, and then in the back of their mind, they're going to go, okay, I see all of these other kids and parents and the parents are okay with this and they're very trusting and they must really like that teacher, right? It's a really good way to promote that class because 
Maybe you have parents in your mommy and me class that didn't even have issues. They just wanted to do mommy and me. And now they see this other class in their brain. They're going to go, oh, when my kid's three, I just enroll them in that class, right? It's marketing. It's all about marketing, but it's also about building that trust. All right, my last thing, okay, it's also very important that your preschool classes, your mommy and me, your creative dance that's following, is open year-round for registration, okay? And I know this might be a challenge for things like recital, all right? Maybe you have classes that are non-recital performing, okay? You can still have a preschool class that performs, but this is specifically for those kids with those separation anxiety um, challenges. This is for them, right? And this is to get them into those performing classes later on. So maybe it's separate, all right? But this is all about building trust and it's marketing for you and your studio to build your preschool program, all right? So now let's talk, now, now let's talk about what happens the next step, right? After six weeks in mommy and me class, now it's time to introduce the child to the creative dance class, okay? And mom, mom is not in that class, right? So mom's not there. So this is where I talk to that mom and child and, and I say, okay, so mommy and me just ended. It's time for her to move into creative dance. Next week when you come to class, make sure that she brings a comfort item from home. This could be a teddy bear, it could be a blanket, it could be a pillow, anything that she can hold on to or he can hold on to if they start to feel anxious or scared, okay? So, and here's how my structure for this comfort item works. Now, at this point, that child has already worked with me for six weeks. Mom, too. So they know me now, right? So I already have a big barrier and a big weight off my shoulder, okay? But there's still the chance that that child could still be scared. So this is why I introduce the comfort item. All right, and the way that this works is to have them bring that comfort item the first one and two weeks of dance class, and they get to dance with it the entire time, okay? Weeks three and four, we start with our comfort item dancing with us, but then halfway through, maybe when it's time to go across the floor, I say, oh, can I have, can I have your little teddy bear? And I always ask, what's their name? Because sometimes they even name their pillows, right? They, they name everything. So let's, let's have your unicorn, Mr. Unicorn, come over here and watch as you dance across the floor. He's going to be an audience member, right? So I try to separate them from that comfort item halfway through class weeks three and four. By weeks five and six, my goal is to have the comfort item watch them dance the entire time. Um, what I've noticed by going through this process of having them start with a mommy and me or a parent and me class and then transitioning them into the six-week class is I don't even need those six weeks for the comfort item. Honestly, what I see most of the time is they bring their comfort item week one and halfway through class on their own, they put the comfort item down and they just start dancing without it. So even though that structure is there because there are those severe cases of kids who are diagnosed with separation anxiety, most of them, they know that that item is there and if they get upset, it's available for them and that's comforting, but they don't need it. So that's why I have it 
structured that way, okay? But this works because, again, I've built that trust with both the kid and with the mom. So that is how I approach separation anxiety in my in my program. All right, so that's it. Those were the four biggest challenges that you guys shared with me. If you have a challenge that I did not address today, here's what I want you to do because I want to make this a frequent a frequent topic on the podcast. So send me an email. Okay, I've linked my email in the description, but I'll share it here as well. It's info at dancetolearn.co, not .com, .co. If you send it to .com, I'm not going to get it. So info at dancetolearn.co and put in the subject dance teacher challenges. And let me know a challenge that I can help you with. I would love for this to be a regular topic here on the Dance to Learn podcast. Um, I can think of about five other issues that weren't brought up this time that I would love to address. So if you have any challenges, I know you do, just send them my way and I'd love to cover them for you. But if you're new here, I just want to thank you. In fact, I want to thank everyone, even if you're not new here. Thank you everyone for joining me today. My name is Jessica Strong. And I am the host of the Dance to Learn podcast. I hope you all have a lovely week and happy dancing. Bye. The Dance to Learn podcast airs every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Mountain Time on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Leave a five-star review of the podcast and your review may be read on air for your chance to receive a $10 Amazon gift card. To be a guest on the podcast or for advertising inquiries, please email info at dancetolearn.co. Happy dancing!